Good morning again, and happy Father's Day to all of you who are fathers. And again, a special welcome to those of you who are worshiping with us uh, this morning uh, at home. Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the third installment in our summer return to the sanctuary series on living in the spirit. As you recall, you might recall, the virtues Paul lists in Galatians 5 are not exhaustive, but as a whole, they paint a picture of life lived in freedom through Christ. The fruit of the Spirit are not only manifestations of the presence of God, the fruit of the Spirit describe the character and the nature of God. We live by the Spirit by practicing, pretty soon you'll be able to say these with us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These practices build our spiritual muscles. These practices shape us. I've chosen today to focus on the fruit of kindness. Kindness is a tricky one. Last week, Pastor Ian differentiated between happiness and joy. And this week, we need to differentiate between niceness and kindness. They are often used interchangeably but I think they're different. Niceness is about courtesy, politeness, pleasantness. Being nice is important to our communal life because courtesy is necessary to keep our society civil. The danger, however, in niceness is that it can stay surfacy. Niceness can become inauthentic. Niceness can become dishonest. Being overly nice can actually be the unconscious attempt to hide one's less-than-kind feelings. And sometimes a bit of passive aggressiveness can peek through kind or niceness. Kindness, on the other hand, includes courtesy, but it's far more than that. Kindness requires honesty and understanding. It comes from a place of benevolence. Kindness is rooted in this instinctive sympathy for another person's pain and then results in a gesture to lessen the other person's pain. The Greek word for kindness is krestates, which is translated as kind and good and useful. Useful kindness is another way of putting it. The Hebrew word for kindness is hesed. Hesed is also translated as mercy. Hesed is a commandment and is used in the Hebrew Bible to describe the character of God. The ancient rabbis believed that hesed was the beginning and the end of all God's commandments. The whole law could be summed up, sound familiar, in loving one's neighbor loving oneself, 
as God has chosen to love us, or hesed. In Micah 6, what does the Lord require of us? To do justice, to love hesed, kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, for God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Kindness can be as simple as receiving that warm smile from a coworker when you sneak late into a meeting. Kindness is being allowed to cut into the off-ramp lane, even though you're the car that zoomed up unwittingly to the right and need to sneak in. Kindness is having the person you offended hold their tongue even when, you, when they are entitled to say, you were wrong. Kindness is your husband bringing you a croissant from a nearby bakery while you wrestle with writing a sermon on kindness. <laughs> kindness is the key to marital success and longevity, according to the Gottman Institute on Marriage and Family Research. Psychologists John and Julie Gottman say they can predict with remarkable accuracy marital longevity by the posture of kindness a couple demonstrates because trust is built on the habits of loving kindness. Some people seem naturally inclined to kindness. They are the first to deliver a casserole or a prayer shawl to someone who's just got out of the hospital. They, um, they don't uh, hesitate when there's a need and they extend kindness. But don't despair. Kindness is a spiritual discipline, and we can build our muscles as we practice it. In his book, Wired for Goodness, sociologist Nicholas Christakis writes that our human DNA is actually wired for positive connection, for positive connection with ourselves and with others, with our better angels, as Lincoln said. Christakis argues that we are inclined toward goodness, but we don't talk about goodness very much because we are drawn to talking about negative things and, and negative actions. But in actuality, we are at our best and most fulfilled when we live kind lives. So how do we cultivate more kindness in our lives? Well, there's a spiritual practice I've learned meant to increase loving kindness within us. It's, a sim it's simple in method, but uh, like all spiritual growth, it takes practice. So it goes like this. First, begin by sitting still. Imagine sending loving kindness to yourself. Imagine the warmth of love surrounding you. Second, 
Send loving kindness to another person you love, a friend or a family member. Imagine the warmth of love surrounding them. Third, send loving kindness to someone for whom you feel neutral, maybe your mail carrier or a favorite barista. Imagine the warmth of love surrounding them. And here it gets challenging. Send loving kindness to a person who has hurt you or someone you strongly dislike. You don't have to like them. You just have to imagine God's love surrounding them because God has to like them. You don't. And finally, imagine the whole world enveloped in the glow of loving kindness. Spiritual practitioners claim we will be transformed by this practice. Cultivating kindness requires vulnerability because we're allowing ourselves to enter into another's pain. We expose the soft underside of our hearts. It's possible the recipient of our gesture might not accept it or appreciate it or show gratitude for it. So kindness must not be, must be predicated on the intention to expect nothing in return. There's no quid pro quo arrangement in kindness. Our son was in a car accident a couple weeks ago, a minor accident, but his car was totaled. It wasn't his fault and he wasn't hurt, thankfully, but it was inconvenient and remains inconvenient. When news got out about his uh, accident, about his loss, we were touched by how many people offered their cars to him to borrow their car. Such impulses of sympathy and care are the visible signs of the fruit of useful kindness. Now, I couldn't preach on the fruit of kindness without including the well-loved poem, Kindness, by Naomi Shihab Nye. The poem has a fascinating backstory. Naomi and her spouse were on their honeymoon tracking, trekking through South America. And one night on a bus, they were robbed of everything, including all their money. And one man was tragically killed on the bus. The young couple felt extremely vulnerable and dependent on the kindness of strangers in this foreign land. And after the crisis, Naomi sat waiting on a park bench in a small plaza. She described the poem coming to her in its entirety, as if a voice floated to her from across the plaza. She believed that the poem came to her because she had been made vulnerable with her loss, by her loss and sorrow. Her heart had been cracked open to receive the poem's words and wisdom. So here is Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, 
all this must go, so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. It is often in the laboratory of loss and deep sorrow that we discover our deep capacity to give and receive kindness. This year of pandemics has provided us with an intense laboratory of loss and sorrow. What have we learned about ourselves? What do we now know about sorrow and kindness that will change us? What choices will we make to live differently? How will we become recovering practitioners of loving kindness and mercy and goodness, shaping and being shaped by the Spirit's presence within us? This is our opportunity to choose loving kindness toward ourselves, toward each other, and toward our planet. These are the spiritual challenges ahead of us. And gratefully, the Spirit never leaves us abandoned to the work to which we are called. Thanks be to God. Amen.